0: Are you anticipating the future care your loved one with dementia may need? Are you currently caring for someone with memory loss? Have you felt guilty pursuing other options? Or are you just feeling tired? I'm your host, Valerie Borgman, and today Kelly and I are talking about the true cost of caring for someone with memory loss, the possible consequences, and some choices. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you like today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. You're listening to our doable tips, short answers to your questions don't see your question listed, send us a note. Then don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an answer.
1: Hi, Kelly. (laughs) Hi, Valerie.
0: (laughs) How do you feel about what we're talking about
1: today? So I in my master's I did this as a project it's called the impact of providing care to loved ones with dementia I did like a little infographic but it was very important to me because at this point I had been working in a memory care facility for two years so you know I did a lot of the research but I also had a I felt had a stronger connection to it because of what I had seen now what we're talking about is providing physical care, like a, a loved one being in the home, caring for someone with dementia in their home. Right. But I saw a lot of the, the barriers and the hardships of families trying to provide, you know, emotional care to their loved ones in a facility. And also during a pandemic where it was so limited for them. So, yeah, this is very near near and dear to me just because of what I had seen and also what I had experienced. If any of you have listened to my first podcast, that uh, episode that we did on me talking about my grandparents, I watched my grandmother provide care for my grandfather with dementia in their home. So this, this is a big connection to me.
0: Yeah. And I love what you said about hardship because The reason that I am really excited that we're talking about this is also the financial hardship. It is so crazy to me that we have all of this support and coverage for someone who gets cancer, and yet we don't have the same kind of support and financial services or insurance that covers someone with dementia. Right, and right. it just blows my mind because this is such a huge right. hardship. And we're going to put a link to your infographic in show notes so that families can see this. But some of the things you talk about are the total lifetime care cost can be over three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I don't know a lot of people that have three hundred thousand dollars just hanging around, <laughs> right, right? And that's that's in your home providing yeah. that care.
1: Yep, the research that I had found showed that about 65% of family, when, when interviewed, say they provide care to keep their loved one at home. You know, maybe that was a commitment they made to their loved one. Maybe that was something that was communicated by the the family member of, you know, hey, I I don't want to go into a community or an assisted living or, you know, memory care facility. So, they may feel this obligation. And 38% of family members who were interviewed about providing care for their loved ones said they felt obligated to do that.
0: You have that feeling towards your parent or your loved one that it's your job.
1: Right. Like you're indebted to it or like you made this commitment. And even if the loved one can't remember that they communicated that, it still sits with you. And I, I think that's probably how my grandmother felt, but I, I don't even know if my grandfather had communicated that he wanted to stay in the home. I think just her commitment to him, she may have just felt this guilt, like I've been with him for 60 plus years married. If I let go now, this is going to change our marriage. You know, I'll, I'll feel the, not the, the physical separation, but the emotional separation. So it likely wasn't just about the person you're caring for. It's about yourself, that connection you have with them and not wanting to lose that connection.
0: Yeah, I actually just worked with a family who had been married over 70 years. Whoa. Yes, and her husband has dementia. They lived together in an assisted living, but his needs got to the point where it just was not a viable option for them to continue to live together in an assisted living. He Mm -hmm. really needed a memory care setting, but memory care communities generally don't want spouses that don't have dementia or Alzheimer's living with their spouse who does. Most dementia facilities require a diagnosis right, a Requirement, to,
1: yeah. to live
0: there. And right. so you're talking about a spouse that doesn't have dementia wanting to stay with her loved one. Well, what are, what are the options? And I was right. able, you know, we're in Washington state. We have a ton of adult family homes here We just did an episode about residential care homes, and some states don't even have them as an option. But I was able to find them a home where they could rent two rooms that had a connecting Jack and Jill bathroom. Mm -hmm. They could set up their living room on one side and their bedroom on the other side. He Mm -hmm. was able to get the care he needed in that environment. And there was also a couple of other residents there who were social and cognitive that she could befriend. Right. And so sometimes it is I think taking a look at what is that overall goal. And I know we're going to talk about that more later, but what is the most important goal? And and that I think that also plays into other family members trying to make the decision of whether or not to provide that care.
1: Right. I know I had written 48% help to keep their loved one in close proximity because of the impact of dementia. So I think a lot of times families Worry like if if I move my spouse, if I move someone, maybe their dementia will decline. and you know trans transition is very real, has very real impact on someone with dementia, but you're also looking at the quality of care for both the person with dementia and the caregiver. We talk about the beauty of of what we do is we help families especially if, if the spouse or if the daughter or son is a caregiver, how do we set them up well where they feel released from that caregiver role and can step back into just the daughter, just the spouse? But I know that with those with dementia, there is that real fear. Well, if I'm not in close proximity with them, they may not remember me. And I understand that,
0: in an upcoming episode, we're actually going to look specifically at transitions
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and trauma. So let's talk about, okay, so now you've made the decision. You right. are going to be the caregiver. What is that going to look like?
1: Potentially? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it will be taxing all around. When you need to become a caregiver for someone, it's because they need something, whether it's physical help, redirection. Working with someone with dementia is extreme in most cases. Oftentimes, if someone is maybe more resistant towards medication, you may see, you know, the physical implications. So it's maybe someone swinging or being afraid to take medications. That can be really alarming and scary for a lot of family members. You know, no one really trains you in that. Just as a loved one, you almost like just go through it. A lot of times a caregiver kind of feels the weight, like the responsibility, like what am, what am I doing wrong? How can I better approach this? And that takes so much mental and emotional energy to constantly be thinking about how do I, one, keep this person safe, but also keep them content, right? And there's so much of dementia that we can't control.
0: Yeah and I think it's also really difficult to separate yourself from mm-hmm. the way you used to communicate with your loved one
1: right before
0: right. they had the symptoms that's what i see a lot family members are just really stressed out because they're trying to communicate in the same way that they're mm-hmm. used to communicating and it doesn't work anymore no <laughs> so unless you're already sort of training for the job <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, before you get there, then mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You're, you're just kind of going through it. And it's, you know, it's not the kind of thing I think that someone wants to find themselves in and you kind of live each day. And I think it can sneak up on you sometimes as a family caregiver.
1: In many ways too, I think as humans, we have difficulty in asking for help. Yes. So I know with my grandmother, she didn't really ask anyone. She just kind of took it on. She thought that was her responsibility and ended up hurting her in the long run. It's incredible. Like caregivers who provide care to those with dementia are two times as likely to experience emotional and physical and financial burden or hardship. And there, you know, there is even more anxiety for someone providing care to a person with dementia than with a stroke. Forty four percent they experience more anxiety because you're not you're not just talking about the physical, you're talking about the emotional, the the behavioral.
0: Touching on the behavioral, I think that's really the key because depending on the stage that they're in, they may not even look anything like your loved one that you knew before. Right. And and so there is such a a loss. Not to mention the fact that they're not able sometimes to even communicate their needs. And so there's that mm-hmm. guessing game and you have to get super creative. And that does take a ton of energy. And and sometimes it's constant. You know, I worked with a couple and she tried to give up her caregiving role, but she just wasn't able to and kind of went back and forth. And mm. you're on 100% yeah. of the time. Yes. You are on. There is depending on that level, but if you if we're talking about her husband wandered, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she allowed him to wander the house and the grounds, but then she found him in the garage with a vacuum cleaner trying to vacuum the walls. Now we don't know what he thought he was doing, right? Right in his mind, but when you're a caregiver of someone with dementia, you're on, and that even means sleeping. Because he would wander. And so she would just immediately wake up Mm -hmm. every time he stirred. Yep. And let's just talk basic safety. I've had families tell me that they've barricaded the doors. Wow. Locked themselves inside. And now we're talking about a fire risk. And, you know, so there are so many different things that can happen and everyone is also different. And so when we're talking uh-huh. about something like this, it is so hard to sort of anticipate what your experience could be. If you decide to do this in the beginning, you have that strength and you have that energy to be able to provide the care. Maybe in the beginning, it's not quite as difficult. Mm-hmm. What are some of those clues that maybe it's time, maybe your bucket is empty and it's time right. to really Really ask for that help,
1: right? So, the clues really mirror a lot of the same symptoms as depression and anxiety. Thirty to forty percent of caregivers with loved ones who have dementia report depression uh, from wow. providing the care. That's high, you know, and that's just reporting. Some people may not even share that. Again, there's this right. shame or is this fear? Telling yourself you are supposed to be the caregiver, so you you can't feel this way towards your loved one or you can't feel this way as a result of providing care which you felt like you were supposed to do. A lot of the clues are social isolation and withdrawal and honestly this could be purely from emotional exhaustion. As you said, caregivers are on all the time and so that triggers the fight or flight response, the stress hormone in your brain and that is both emotionally and physically exhausting to your body just not having any energy to give to anyone else, not even themselves. And then changes in sleep, like with my grandmother, she slept on the couch for several months because my grandfather was a wanderer. And so changes in sleep patterns and appetite, increase in sickness, stress does so much to your body, but what it also does is it lowers your immune system. So you're more susceptible to getting sick and staying sick. Feelings, of, and this is very real feelings of desire to hurt yourself or to hurt your loved one. I mean, that's just real. I know that's probably uncomfortable for a lot of people to hear. And, but maybe someone can relate to hear that and say, oh, okay, what I'm feeling is normal. That's not like quote unquote crazy or I'm not feeling like that's a normal, can be a normal response if you're in this space of burnout and then just exhaustion and irritability, which, yeah, are all really big signs of depression and anxiety.
0: Yeah. And you said burnout and I, and that's sort of thankfully become a word that we hear a lot, right. caregiver burnout. And yeah. I think that's a good thing because we are bringing that awareness to it, yeah. but it is really hard to admit that you're having these feelings. And sometimes by the time that you are reaching out for help, you are done. I think it's so important to get help at the beginning of that.
1: Right. When you
0: start to feel tired, when you start to realize that you're not sleeping that's the time to get the help it's just such an important topic and it's just so hard and so let's talk about some of the choices that you might have if you find yourself in this position or if you decide to right. go this down this road
1: maybe just in-home care like just someone to come in and check on them
0: that can be yeah. such a good option mm-hmm. have a family i'm working with right now they're not ready to make that separation move. They haven't decided what that's going to look like. The spouse has dementia brought in in in-home care. Let's Mm -hmm. just take one little step and, and give your mom a break so that she can be social and see her friends
1: Mm -hmm. and not worry. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. I would say memory care would be another option or adult family home. There may be People who have very early stages, maybe not even have the diagnosis yet, who may be okay in an assisted living. But typically, we look more in the direction of a memory care or an adult family home. And that is honestly a really good option because there's such a high ratio of caregivers. I always say
0: when it's a couple and you're looking at this type of possible care to consult with an elder law attorney. Yeah, because i think true. one of the reasons that people don't look into this sometimes is because they're afraid of spending all of their resources paying for the care of one spouse and that they won't have anything left right but there right. are laws that do protect some of those assets one of the other things that you talk about is senior placement advisors people like us yes <laughs> i started clear path in 2015 and i would say 99% of the people that finally got to me were so shocked that there was someone like me that could help them through the process. (laughs) And And so, yeah, I think definitely spreading the word that there are people that can take everything and put together a plan and help you work that plan. I had one family tell me that she made like 65 phone calls. And still couldn't find the right fit for what she needed. In fact, we have an episode about how to even make those first phone calls. And we'll put a link to that in show notes. And you also talk about friends.
1: Yeah. If you are feeling the burden and the weight and know that you have a supportive group of friends, supportive loved ones, like we understand that it's a brave it's a courageous move. It takes a lot of courage to reach out to ask for help, but it's so important. And so many people want to help. And that just may be to, you know, talk through the options with them, maybe helping with touring. And then there's finding a, a caregiver support group. And I know we talked about the Alzheimer's Association, just involving other people, not feeling so alone in it. Yeah.
0: I think the number one takeaway for me is recognizing up front that this is a job, you know, going into it with your eyes wide open, trying to separate your day to day and step stepping back and going, okay, what is this going to look like if I decide to provide care in the home and then looking at those resources?
1: Right. I think for me, it's I guess just recognizing that we live in a culture that likes success and wants to feel successful and so a lot of times family members will try to be successful in being the caregiver you know we live in an individualized society that says i have to be the person to do it if i don't do it then no one else will when in reality we need each other we need community always
0: today's episode is brought to you by clear path senior living solutions ClearPath helps families find assisted living, memory care, and other resources. Find our contact information in today's show notes. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.